Sound Design Live. Sound Design Live is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com/slash/sounddesignlive. I use Audible to listen to books on the train or in the car on the way to events. I recently listened to Your Brain at Work by David Rock and learned a lot of great techniques for increasing my productivity as well as my general happiness. As I understand a little bit more about how my brain works. You can check out his book as well as thousands of other titles at audibletrial.com/slash/sounddesignlive. Sound Design Live. Welcome to Sound Design Live. Today I am speaking with a very accomplished Broadway sound designer and founding member of Acme Sound Partners, Nevin Steinberg. I also wanted to mention that in 2010, Live Design Magazine called you one of the 50 most powerful people. Which I thought was kind of funny, but it was a it was a pretty good article and talked about leaders who are making an impact in entertainment and technology. So obviously, you have a wealth of experience, and I'm hoping that you'll share some of that with us today. Absolutely. So one of my goals at Sound Design Live is to build community with other designers and help them find the work they love. So, could you talk a little bit about how you got into audio and design, and especially highlight some of the decisions you made along the way that you think helped you to get more work, and especially helped you to get the kind of work you wanted to get? Sure, sure.、Um, yeah. You know, I began、uh, the way a lot of sound designers and sound engineers begin by way of music, and、uh, I was a musician growing up,、uh, lucky enough to go to、uh, school in districts and at a time where. You know, arts education was still important and still a priority, and so I grew up as an as an instrumentalist and played cello and then bass and was trained pretty rigorously、uh, classically in school and in private lessons and you know participated in pretty much every musical ensemble that was available to me growing up,、uh, including legit orchestras, jazz bands, choirs, and show bands and.、Uh, And also found my way to、uh, rock bands, pop music, and playing for、uh, theatrical presentations. And so that's how I came to theater was by by way of music,、um, mostly by way of musicals, and as a bass player in musical theater、uh, orchestras. And、um, so when I got to university and continued. Uh, as an instrumentalist, I was also、uh, in demand as a bass player f-、uh, for musical musical theater on campus, and、um, found myself in a community of wonderful people doing fun things and enjoying everybody's company. And、um, I, I, I was hungry for more because the musicians, as you probably know, come to the party pretty late, usually around <laughs> usually around dress rehearsal, you know. And、um, yeah. and I was realizing that all these people had been bonding for for weeks before I ever. Was involved in the project, and so I started sniffing around for other things to do prior to those dress rehearsals, and、um, got involved with the technical crew and、um, started volunteering my services for technical work.、Uh, began with lighting;、um, that was what was available at the time, and then、um, did a lot of、uh, hanging of light plots and cutting of gel and things like that, and、uh, and that was fun. And programming of light boards, and then. Uh, one fateful day, I was working on a、uh, hanging the、uh, the light plot for a play on campus, and I realized that we were going to be done pretty soon. And it, because it wasn't a musical, I had no job once the once the run of the play started. Once they started on stage rehearsals, I was out of, I was out of work basically,、mm-hmm. and so I started casting about for something to do. And I asked, you know, could I run the light board? Could I, you know, is there anything I could do? And they suggested that maybe I I could run the sound. 
that it was a complicated sound show and they needed somebody to operate the audio. And um, this was a campus uh, theater where there was a resident company, a resident professional company, and the students had the run of the of the of the facility for several times during the year. So I went and trained with the resident sound designer on the equipment, and uh, basically, I think it was. It was kind of like a little love affair that began that night. That uh, mm-hmm. I, I was, I, I fell in love with the gear. I fell in love with the whole idea of of making sound. And um, luckily, had a very good and generous mentor and some decent equipment at my disposal early in my career. And, and basically, started going to town. And then uh, from there, I was doing um, sound engineering and sound, uh, you know, tape, basically it was tape back then, um, <laughs> tape operation mm-hmm. for playback for shows. And then from there started doing, um, my first design work as a student, uh, being hired by the conservatory on campus, um, to, to staff their shows. They didn't have any sound designers in their program. So, um, I was actually, my first professional jobs were for the conservatory as a sound, as a student sound designer. And then, um, uh, upon graduation, it seemed like a, a, a sensible thing to do uh, to just keep going. And I took a job in regional theater as an assistant to a resident sound designer and um, and went my way through regional theater doing that for a while. And then came back east to basically investigate the options in more commercial theater um, and musicals, which I had an aptitude for, I think, based on my musical background. And and uh, that's how my career started. I went, uh, I went from there to uh, mixing musicals, um, small and large, and then on tour, national tours, and then in New York, off-Broadway and on-Broadway. And that then transitioned into design work in the uh, early 2000s. And, uh, and that kind of, you know, that's been my last decade, basically, of work, which is, uh, you know, the, the, the 11 years with Acme Sound Partners and now on my own. So were you playing still through all of this, or did at one point you started playing less and just operating shows more? Once I was out on my own professionally, I continued to actually play uh, play music, but it was with rock bands. Um, I played with uh, some local bands, mm-hmm. uh, some original, some cover work. So I got to do, I got to continue to do both and uh, enjoy my very very mediocre. <laughs> um, musical career as At well. At one point, well, you were highly sought after, and now mediocre. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you do. You realize, you know, you, I was. I was always a, like a good enough musician, but I never really thought I was. Very, you know, particularly good. I was, I was good enough to play with some very talented people. And, you know, the thing about bass players, and I don't know if this is still true, but when I when I grew up, because I was trained in, you know, in classical music, that I could read music very easily. It was, you know, it was second nature. And the there weren't a lot of bass players who knew how to do that. Bass players, you know, a lot of them picked the instrument up. There were, you know, formerly guitar players who sort of pick up bass or piano players who pick up bass because it's a it's a fairly straight ahead transition. But they don't necessarily learn how to read uh, you know, music off the printed page. And that was my bread and butter. So, you know, somebody could put a a musical theater score in front of me and I could play it down pretty straight pretty pretty straight away and that made that made me valuable you know I'm, I'm not I, I think I was more of a a good utility player than, than an actual exceptional mm-hmm. musician so which you know isn't that's not a complaint you know I, I had a lot of fun and 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 enjoyed that but I, I it wasn't going to be my vocation when you came back to the east coast 
where did you go? What steps did you take to get your first operating jobs? <laughs> well, I was uh, I came back to the East Coast to assist um, a prominent sound designer at the time, a guy named Ots Mundrela, who had done a lot of the very big shows in the 90s um, on Broadway and, and around the world, actually. And um, my first actual job behind a console professionally in the commercial theater, which was actually a Darien dinner theater in Darien, Connecticut. Wow. And so I had a job there for a while, um, almost a year, I think. And uh, that was my first uh, sort of cut my teeth on doing musicals every night, basically. And yeah. then from there, and from there, I got a road job and, and took a show out on, on, the, on the road. It sounds like it just, you know, one thing sort of led to another, but the truth is the last regional job that I worked in before coming back east was um, in Columbus, Ohio. And the reason I took that job was because I knew that Otz was friends with the production manager there and had mm-hmm. would be coming out there to design uh, one musical every season. So, th- so the I knew that by taking that job, I would be exposed to um, not only a you know a very talented and gifted sound designer, but somebody who was working in the business who I could connect with and then network with and possibly you know continue to look for work with. So there was a. You know, there was a crass element to all of this as well. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. It, it sounds like it just, you know, one thing sort of fell on the other. But I made I made some choices that were were definitely pointed. You know, at at trying to develop what was a regional background into a commercial background. I run into a lot of productions um, that say I, I feel like they're saying no to technology or some of the technology I want to bring in because of the visual implications. Um, mm. A lot of times it'll be something like, no, this is a period piece, so we don't want to see the microphones, or it's really intimate, so we don't want to see speakers downstage. Um, I hear those things a lot. Uh, so I'm hoping you could talk about that a little bit, because I feel like this is one of the biggest mental challenges for myself, because I know we possess the technology to make the show sound great, um, but the production demands are tying my hands. Good part of the designer's job and the sound designers are no different in this way than I think scenic designers, lighting designers, costume designers and projection designers that is to create something and participate in the event in a way that serves the production best. And if that, if that means that, um, you know, the stage lip has to be clear because that's the priority of the production, um, then that, then that's the way it has to be. And you have to find other solutions or understand the limitations that, are being placed on you, or and, and everybody all has to has to understand that the limitations have been placed, and that's going to limit what you can do for certain seating areas. I think that you know part of part of the sound designer's job is to communicate those things clearly, and parse them for the for the director and for the rest of the production team, so that everybody understands as best as best can be explained early on that you know, all these decisions have consequences. In the, in the same way that a set designer, you know, if the stool is 30 inches high instead of 22 inches high, that's going to make a difference. Uh, you have to advocate for your position, you know, um, and for your needs and for what you think is going to be best for the production. But if you always keep your eye on the ball, which is what's the best thing for the show, um, then, you know, sometimes that's going to mean not having the thing you thought you needed or the thing you wanted to have, uh, the piece of technology that you thought was perfect, you know, you may have to choose something else. And, um, that's, that's not easy, but that, I think that's a, that's pretty integral to the job. Mm-hmm. Does it affect the ultimate outcome of how good the show sounds? Mm, you know, to some, to some extent, but to an extent where somebody else is going to notice, probably not. It sounds like a, a good strategy might also be then 
if you're suggesting this, to be really honest with yourself about um, how deeply changes will affect quality of the show and affect the goal of the production, but also who will notice this? Will the audience notice this change? And if you can say the audience, this will be a significant change that the audience will definitely notice and will definitely affect the show, then that sounds like something that everyone would understand in a production meeting, for example. Yeah, I, I actually, that's. I don't think I could have said it better than better myself. I think you just. I think you just hit the nail on the head. The only high thing, I, and I love, and I <laughs> high five, virtual high five. Like the only the only caveat I have to all of that, I think all of that is true, and the only corollary would be that you are the you are the custodian of the audio for the production, and you are expected to maintain the highest standards. And sometimes those standards, the audience won't notice, but it doesn't matter. You're still, that's still your job. You know, your job is still to present the highest possible quality product. And even if that sometimes exceeds what you think an audience may or may not notice, you know, you do sometimes have to be careful not to just draw the line at that's something everybody will notice and that's something everybody won't. Because the truth is, you know, the subtleties of those kinds of changes at those at those levels don't necessarily translate immediately into something the audience may or may not notice, but they do translate, I think, in aggregate to uh, the sense that something is right or something is wrong on, on the whole. Sound Design Live is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash sound design live are you involved with the the uh design master classes that live design puts on i am i've done them several times throughout the years um in fact i was just confirming my i'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm on the panel uh again this year i'm doing a, a session on saturday which is the 19th i think saturday may 19th and um and i'll be doing a session on um producers I'm bringing a commercial theater producer to the to the event, and we're going to do a little panel on on what it's like to interact with uh, the interaction between a producer and the sound designer in the commercial theater world. Tell me a little bit more. Could you try to sell those to me a little bit? Because I I've seen them before, and I I get the live design magazines, and I always wonder is that for me or is that really just for lighting designers mostly and other people? Oh no no no! It's actually I mean listen I've been I've been doing them for years and and the you know the panels that I've done over the years have varied greatly and I've seen a lot of my colleagues do very interesting panels. I think it's a great opportunity to have access to um, working designers and working professionals at the very highest level uh, of the commercial theater. And I say that, look, I don't there's no prejudice here. I, I mean the highest level meaning like, Broadway has a mystique and a cachet, and these these are the people who are successful in this arena right now. You know, um, that doesn't it's not meant to denigrate anybody who's not working in New York. But this is where this is where the 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 big budget Broadway shows are done. And if you're interested in that kind of work, you know, in in that approach, then there is no better place that I can think of uh, other than maybe you know a local watering hole after. A preview season where a few of, a few of us might get together and chat anyway. But Nevin, thanks so much for talking with me today. Where is the best place for people to follow your work online if they want to see what you're up to? Uh, I think the best place right now is um, actually on the Internet Broadway database, which is ibdb.com. And if you, uh, it works like a search engine. You can actually put in the 
the name of a, a person or a production, um, and it will show you all the related information. Sound design. Live.